Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we are your business coaches at Wired to Change. With the number two. We are here to help you get your business to the level you want it to be so you can enjoy the life of a small business owner. And here we go, Mr. Mike Manning, business coach extraordinaire. Again, so excited I for today. Just wish my hips could feel that beat. Just I wish they could too. Does nothing. I but hear you know, it, I like it, but I just want to know, did anyone even notice out there in listener land that we added intro music? Uh, a couple people have a mentioned couple? it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think they're busy. They got other th priorities. They're not going to text or email me about <laughs> the new not. intro music. Yeah. That, no, that makes they got other sense. priorities. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, how has your week been going? Uh, good. Uh, we have a couple of potential new client meetings next week. I've been working. We got one from our an introduction from our friend Larice West. Awesome. So thank you, Larice. Shout out to her. Thank yeah. you. I had a good B and I meeting today. And I eavesdropped on your mastermind for the systems and processes. And it was good stuff. I just, you're so good at that. Oh, we have been having a blast. Yeah. Um, a lot of the ladies in that group, since it's all women right now, just kind of happened that way. Yeah. But today we were working on how to document processes, which, of course, I saw a lot of overwhelmed oh, yeah. looks of despair as people were thinking about actually writing this stuff down because it's a lot of fun to talk about it. Not always as much fun to sit at the computer <laughs> and actually take your brain dump and put it on paper. Yeah. So we're working through those struggles yep, and stuff. it's definitely well worth it. And it's very exciting to see where each of them are at in business and how they're going to use these to either mm. scale their business. Um, one is getting ready to be on maternity leave. So she needs mm. to be able to have people plug and play while she's gone. And um, the other is looking to get ready to hire and grow her team. So Obviously, systems and processes are very important for all of those. It is. Yeah. We got somebody that's pretty good. He's got to have his systems in place. He does. And I know that he's got great follow-up systems because I have been privy to those. But today we have a very, 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 very special guest, <laughs> the one, the only, Mr. Neil Isaacs. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Feels like we made it. Yeah, we, 2021. We some of us were, you know, claws out, holding on. Um, some people were, you know, ripping in the new year with shots saying, let's drown out the last one. Um, where were you at? How did you end the last year? Uh, well, you know me, party animal, just tearing it up. Um, <laughs> with your one-year-old? That's yeah. right. That's right. No, nothing, nothing too exciting. I definitely was the only one in the house awake at midnight. But um, oh, yeah. just appreciating life. Yeah. Well, last year was full of ups and downs. I feel like we were very fortunate to know more of our clients were mm -hmm. facing challenges of growth and having good problems versus needing to close up shop or, um, you know, feeling like they were losing Wait, is something ground. going on? Did I miss, did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to give it the fourth quarterback. Yeah. The third quarter yeah. is a little bit better. Yeah. I'll give it the fourth quarterback. <laughs> so, Neil, um, Mike and I have known you for a while. Um, I think I first became aware of you through some networking groups that you mm. used to run. I don't know if you still do, but I know networking that you, with Neil. That's yeah. the first time I ever saw your name. I'm like, who's this Neil guy? And yeah. eight or ten people went, "You might need to meet him." Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mover and shaker, and you have a business that actually helps people find and sell businesses. I'm in the business of selling businesses. Yeah. That's right. 
How how crazy is that industry? It's a pretty crazy industry, and it's built on top of small business, so it, it ebbs and flows with okay. the markets. So, you know, growing up, I I never, like, sat in a class in college going, I can't wait to get my real estate license to become a real <laughs> estate broker. Like, that was never on my radar. At what point in your career did you either learn about that as a career or yeah. decide to get into brokering businesses? When I sold my first business, mm-hmm. and that was the Tropical Fish store while I was selling Nemo and Dory, I got to a point about five years in where I liked what I did, but I didn't want to do it forever, and I didn't know how to get out of it, and I met a business broker. And I remember thinking back on that character, and I don't remember his name now, but it's kind of like that that character in Pulp Fiction, you know, the, the fixer <laughs> shows up after the, the mess, <laughs> and he's like, I can take care of this. Yes. <laughs> Came after hours. You know, everything was a secret, mm-hmm. and it's like, we're going to get you to where you need to go. Did he offer you a, what is it, a McRoyal? <laughs> with oh, cheese, yeah. Yes, boy. a Royale with cheese. Nice. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. See, I have I a don't remember the, the Royale with cheese, but I do remember what a fascinating character yes. this, this person was. Okay. Um, to, to fill that role. So that and, was my indoctrination into business brokers. And did you, because I have people that will come to me and they're like, yeah, I want to get into real estate because, you know, I had such a shitty experience and I feel like I could do it better. Or other people that are like, man, your job looks so glamorous. I want to do that too. So yeah, faces which, all over town. <laughs> right? Which side of the coin were you on? The more this looks glamorous or this guy, I could have done it better. At the time, I was just, I didn't know that this person existed, that Mm. this role existed. And then when I, you know, I I sold my tropical fish store. I had a career in in TV advertising. And then uh, I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur again. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm a guy who swam with sharks and ran a tropical fish store. Like, I don't do normal things. So I actually looked at real estate brokerage. I looked at a few careers, and none of them were as appealing and unique and kind of cowboy-esque as mm. this 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 rare this different path of business brokerage right that's what i liked about it. it's unique okay so obviously mike and i work with small business owners mm-hmm. that's kind of our forte mm-hmm. um we love to take people that are you know either getting going or going really fast and help them to streamline and s- expand and i'm sure most of them at some point are thinking <laughs> you know what all of us business owners are is how do i make this thing scale and grow so i can then sell it and make a shit ton of money yeah yeah so what are a couple of the things that a small business owner should do in preparation of that in preparation for growth or in preparation for exit? In preparation for exit. exit. So I'm in year, say, five and might be ready to sell in sure. three to five years. What are some things I should do now so I don't, so it's easier when I need you down yeah. the road? Well, this answer is is not a coddling to you in any way. It may sound that way, but the things that you, you help people with, mm. systems and processes, these are the things that add value to a business. I talk with a lot of entrepreneurs and they are the business Mm -hmm. and they make a lot of money and that's great, but their options for exit are limited. Right. So, you know, an interesting factor is how much money do you make 
And is, is it too much? A lot of people make so much money because they're not paying other people to do the work they should be doing. Their margins, gotcha. if you compare them to their competitors, are out of line. They make too much money. You really actually want your, your KPIs to be in line with your competitors. That way you're not raising any red flags. You had mentioned you're with VR Business Brokers. You just mm -hmm. had an anniversary, right? Yeah. Uh, fifth year. Congratulations. Yeah. You and I have had this conversation before. If a solopreneur is looking to sell their business, they have to be very careful because they are the business. The, the clients all know them, yeah. and they do business with them because they're them. Correct. That's not transferable. That is not. Right. Yep. No matter how hard you try and the, explain The it. most transferable business is the one where you don't even know who the owner is. Mm -hmm. mm. You just know what the experience is when you go there. If there right. was a different owner that came in and the experience didn't change, that would be a good thing for, for the transferability of a business. That makes total sense because if I'm going to buy, you know, um, you know, somebody I'm thinking of like the little local run shops or something mm -hmm. that I don't know. I just know that I like going there because they yeah. measure my foot and they take me outside and I get to run on my shoes. And, yeah. you know, um, if they don't work, I can take them back. And there's not a big hassle of like returning them as if I was going to buy them on my favorite store, Amazon. But that's not a person specific business. Mm -hmm. That's a business model that I would be buying into, yeah. not Oh, because Joe Schmo behind the counter also owns it, and he's mm -hmm. the reason I go there. Exactly. Yeah. I'd say for our clients, that is one of the hardest things, and one of the things that I struggled with the hardest That's in what scaling we all struggle with. is yeah. getting yourself out of the picture, yeah. systematizing, and being man enough to say, "Hey, somebody else actually can do this as good, if not better, than I can." And the the reason, and I included the reason we all struggle with this. I read this book by Peter Thiel, which is a, a, a PayPal founder with Elon Musk, zero to one. And it, his, the idea is the definition of entrepreneurs is you take something from nothing and you make, you make something. That's a zero to one. So out of origin, we all have to create everything. That's like the, the phase one. But phase two is putting someone else in charge. We have to delegate. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's a different thing than creating something from nothing. Yeah, I think that goes back to the whole e-myth premise yes. of, you know, you have people that are just used to, you know, they're really good at what they do, but they're not necessarily good at turning that into a business model. Sure. Um, and I can think of a ton of examples of even people that we network with that are just awesome at being the, the doer, Yeah. but maybe they're not reaching out for the necessary resources to actually pull in all the other components needed to have a strong business. I just left a buyer seller meeting. I've got a, a set of owners. They started it several years ago. They make money. They want to do something else. And the buyer wanted to meet them and see what they've built. And this buyer told me, I mean, I could just go get some empty space and build it out, but I don't know if it's the right location. I'd have to hire a team. These people already have a team. They have a, a menu. They've got all the stuff. It seems a lot easier to jump into that than to start from scratch. So that's an example of these owners have options for access because they built something. Right. And with the location, you, I believe a few months ago, sold a coffee shop yeah. over off, yes, mm -hmm. great sweet tea. 
Yeah. I love their sweet tea. But those type of businesses can come with goodwill. Already there. You see the cars in the drive-thru every morning. Something to be said for cash flow. (laughs) Someone else has taken the risk of proving the model. Mm -hmm. You know, you have seen the cars driving through. Oh, yeah. Dodge them. Yeah, when I go there. You could do it yourself, but you don't know if if people are going to show up. You do not. So that's what goodwill is, is it's kind of intangible. Yeah. The miss... (laughs) The, and I was a, way back in the day, this would have been 2006, when I was still in Daytona Beach. I was had owned a coin laundromat mm-hmm. and enjoyed a year in as a business broker, mm-hmm. which was interesting because I went and met with a guy one day, and I said, all right, he's ready to sell. So we signed all the paperwork and everything. It's like, all right. And during the process. Just because they sign all the paperwork does not mean they're ready to sell. Well, that is correct. And I found <laughs> that out because I was very green. And we said, all right, so let's, during the process, like, okay, let's sit down, take a look at the books, figure out, you know, what we could price this mm-hmm. at. And he's like, which set of books do you want? Yeah. And no, Yikes. No, no, no. You, and I had to have a conversation one time with a guy that was selling. Mm-hmm. And I told him, if you were trying to buy this business and somebody said, I know the books say this, but it's way more because I yeah. do. Would you buy that? Here's here's something to look for. If you ever go to a restaurant, yes. and uh, and there's two cash registers, I love this. And you pull out cash, and they say, "Let's go to this other register." Yep. You know what's happening. <laughs> I that's love the other set yeah. of books. That's and, a common strategy. Yeah. And the guy I went to work for, we went to a restaurant one day at lunch, and you had to walk up to pay to register. And he goes, "Keep an eye on the drawer. The drawer never closed, so they never rang up. How many orders? Yeah. They just kept putting money in there. Yeah. It was off the books." And those are little things that owners can do that. Uh, so if you're can, listening yeah. out there, that is not the best <laughs> no. way. It's, uh, no, it's not. There's ramifications. That, you know, here's the other side of it. If you work with a, a strong team of advisors, accounting professionals, there's ways to, they're trying to save on taxes. There's ways to mitigate tax exposure and to do it correctly. And, and then there's, there's other ways. We call it stealing from the business because they're literally – Stealing from their future, it's yeah. it's unprovable revenue, mm-hmm. and it's a common it's a common thing. I also had a conversation in that window that you can either, and I believe I said this correctly, you can either screw the government, or you can set your business up for legitimate resale. But it's yeah. tough to do both. Yeah, and and we just say, well, you've, you kind of already got paid. Yeah, yeah. You can't get paid twice. It's yeah. kind of the same way of saying it. Unless you find a sucker. <laughs> That's right. And there are suckers out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is the biggest misconception sellers have about what their business is worth? Just pricing expectations. Uh, you know, here's another one that the assets carry additional value. Unpack that for me. So I will talk with an owner, and I call it the what about my stuff question. Because I'll go nice. in and, and talk to an owner and say, okay, looks like you're you're earning this much money. Someone else can step into your business, and based on your financials, I can make a logical argument that next year they're going to make this amount of money. And other owners have sold for this amount, therefore, this is your most probable sales price. And then they say, well, that sounds good, but what about all my stuff? I get paid for that too, right? You know, this delivery vehicle and this forklift. And the answer is... You need the delivery vehicle. You need the forklift to make the money. That's all part of the value. So you don't, unless you're selling, it's a fire sale, and you're just selling the assets because you're not making money. 
it's it's either you get paid for the cash flow or you get paid for the assets, but you don't add assets on top of the the cash flow multiple. And my brother's been a serial small business owner since about, about the mid '90s, and I've learned a lot from him. The price that sellers who don't use a broker mm-hmm. think that their business is worth there. And, and I've seen my brother go through this because a guy sent him a P&L one day and the revenue he could document was $250,000. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wanted for the business. My brother said, no, with all the, the owner, uh, uh, not buybacks, the owner, uh, what's the Ad phrase? Backs. Ad backs, yeah. yeah. With those, you're netting 62. Mm-hmm. It's what your business is worth. Oh, dude blew a gasket. Yeah. No, but can't you see it? My brother's explaining to you. Right. <laughs> I'll never see that extra money. That's <laughs> you know, there, there are circumstances where people will pay above yes. what the most probable sales price is um, because maybe they need it. Maybe that's the puzzle piece that they need. Mm-hmm. But And there's a multiplication factor. To pay, like a service yeah. business, your accounts could quit tomorrow. Yeah. Things like that, and, we, and you know that goes into it. But still, it's like Account it's not based worth. Businesses can be a challenge. Yeah, it's not worth. It's not valued at your revenue. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, in the in the real estate world, if you live on a block and every other home is is a half million dollars, mm. could you get a million dollars for your home? It's mm. possible, but not likely. <laughs> but not likely. <laughs> and that's the way I phrase it. I'm not telling your view that your business isn't worth this. I'm just saying, the odds are. Or low. Not in your favor. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that it's similar to real estate where I'll have people that come to me and they over-improve things. Yeah. They invest too much money in something. And I'm like, well, just because you did that does not mean you're going to get a return on that investment. Yeah. If you're living in a, you know, half million dollar house and you put in a $300,000 swimming pool, but none of your neighbors have one, guess how much you're going to get for that swimming pool? Yeah. <laughs> Like maybe you're going to sell your house for 20 to 30 grand more. Like you're never going to get the return on that. So I think from a business owner standpoint, you see people that um, get, they start getting a lot of cash flow and they start buying things and investing in stuff and, Mm -hmm. you know, upgrading their, all their systems and their trucks and everything else. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to see the return on that. If it's not in alignment with everyone else in your industry is doing. It's true. They over assetize, which is not yes. a true word, but I like it. And the example of the forklift that really did come from one individual. And, and I remember he said, you know, that forklift is worth $80,000. And I said, well, do you, do you need an $80,000 forklift? He said, I could have got the small one for 40 grand, but I like this one. And my answer was, well, sell that one, buy a $40,000 forklift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you have the proper amount of assets to make the money that you make. Right. So that's really the only way to adjust in those scenarios. When do business owners, as you start going through the process to put a price on their business, when do they start realizing, oh. <laughs> My process for, for sharing, I call it a broker's opinion of value, is I show them all the research and I have them agree upon all of the calculations that we do. This is, this is what you reported. This is your top line. This is your bottom line. Are we in agreement that we added all of these things back? Are we in agreement that you earn this much? Yes. Well, do you agree that these businesses are similar to yours? Well, this is how much they – I let them come up with their own value. They can kind of see where I'm going with it. So by the time I finish these valuations, 
He, I have pretty good buy-on. They might not like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they may raise objections why theirs is special. But yeah. they usually understand. And you get that same thing, don't you? But, oh, yeah. But my house has. Well, <laughs> and that's, oh, gosh, what is the theory? Um, there's a theory that we always place higher value on something that we own Absolutely. versus oh, something yeah. that somebody else owns. Oh, yeah. And I wish I could, somebody who's listening to this, email me what the theory is because I can't remember the name of it. But it's like, you know, if I have a gallon of milk and Mike has a gallon of milk, guess what? Mine's worth more because it's in my possession. Yeah. Even though it's the exact same gallon of milk. I like that you run them through a system and a process to understand the number. If you, you could have 15 years in the business and be the top guy in the market and if you just walked in and go, yeah, I've sold six of these and it's worth, you know, 182000 And the owner, you may be spot on, yeah. but going back to your point, he's got nothing to base that on. Yeah. But with everything you walk into, and that's a that's a rude awakening for some buyers, yeah. some sellers, isn't it? Well, uh, I'm a, I, my thoughts are that I don't want to call their baby ugly, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm not going to say Neil thinks your business is mm-hmm. worth this. I'm going to give them the data so that they can know that it's the market. And really it's, it's, it's their peers. Oh yeah. If you're, if everybody doing what you did didn't sell at this price, then you probably could get what you want, but the market's mm-hmm. dictating it, not Neil. Oh, the market's great. It'll yeah. tell you. Yeah. Give me some cold water. <laughs> but you're hundred percent right. If I say I'm an expert and this is what I yeah. say, then that's easy for them to object to. Yeah. I find it really interesting because there are so many parallels between business brokerage and real estate, which brings me into my next question. Because mm. you told me that, <laughs> what did you say that real estate is business the brokerage is the redheaded stepchild of, of real, real estate. estate. <laughs> <laughs> always, we always wait for the guest to title the show. <laughs> there are over a hundred thousand licensed real estate agents in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And in the three states of North, South Carolina, and Virginia, there's a hundred business brokers in our regional association. Wow. That's how few of us there are. Which you are president of. Yeah, well, I I was the 2020 president. I'm on the board. Okay. But that's a great association for business brokers. 100. Correct. Correct. There may be more practicing brokers, but there's... But they're not licensed? Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah, see, that's the other thing. Everybody's got an Uncle Billy, which we talk about all the time. There are a hundred licensed residential realtors within two miles of your office, I bet you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's a hundred commercial brokers in three states. states. Well, you know, in real estate, I call it the low barrier to entry problem. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Because you have an industry where you're dealing with the most expensive thing that most people are ever going to buy or sell and dealing with the most uneducated population helping them to do it. You don't need a college degree. You don't need any background in finance. You don't need to understand supply and demand. You don't need to understand economics. All you have to do is be able to breathe, pass a test, and be over the age of 18 and pay your dues. And then you're a licensed real estate broker. And that to me is absolutely insane. And, you know, the continuing education that we have to do is is silly. It's not anything that actually teaches you how to buy or sell real estate. It's just to keep you out of jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do, does that yeah. compare in the business brokerage world? So the North Carolina Real Estate Commission is, is one thing that you left out. You have to follow their rules. You have yep. them kind of in this journey with you. Yep. 
there are 17 states that are regulated in that they tie business brokerage to the real estate commission. North Carolina is not one of those states. So each of you can be a business broker today. You did not have to pass a test or anything? No. Not in North Carolina. Wait, so hang on a sec. Hairstylists have to take a test. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And you don't. That's correct. I'd say it's not regulated. I say that carefully because obviously all of the rules of agency, I don't practice law. Mm. I'm very careful about Letting people clear, know that, yep. Being oh, clear geez. with my clients and customers who I represent. Mm-hmm. So I can get in all kinds of trouble. But no, if if you're doing a business deal, there's no real estate for sale or for lease, mm. you're not under purview of the Real Estate Commission. Mm. Interesting. How many legal questions do you get asked on a reg- semi-regular basis that you're like, no, I can't answer that or won't answer that for you? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I'm like, here's my accountant, here's my attorney. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or I'm lane. not your accountant or your attorney. <laughs> yeah. It happens all yep. stinking time. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're, this will come out, what's today's date? For This will come out the 21st of January, mm-hmm. which is PPP will have started rolling out by then within the week, right? Yeah. I don't know okay. if we're in round two or three. Who knows? Yeah. The government doesn't even know, but don't get me started yeah. on that. We're, we talked, coming up in the elevator here, how, and I did not know this, how PP, if Trinity's selling a business mm-hmm. and I'm a buyer yeah. and everything, all the paperwork's good, we agree on everything, but two weeks ago she applied for PPP, which she was approved for. Yeah. Now walk us through what that does to the business. It's a train wreck. <laughs> so the, if she applied that, the, the real problem is if you, if Trinity got funds for PPP, but they're going to be forgiven. That's the thing about PPP. It's, it's not a grant. It kind of becomes a grant. But once you get that money, it's a current liability. So, and it's a government loan. So until it's forgiven, it's on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And with, when you do an asset sale, you're selling it free and clear. So the way it's being handled for the first couple rounds, and I would imagine the third round will be similar, is we say, okay, Trinity, you sold your business. Here's all of the proceeds of the sale with the exception of your PPP loan. We understand that you've been forgiven, but until we have this official mm. record through the government, through your bank, it'll sit in escrow. But the money goes to the individual. Even after she sells it to me, let's say she sells it to me on March 1 mm-hmm. and the government gets back with her March 24th and says, your $5,000 has been forgiven. Right. That money is hers. That does not go no. with the business to me. That's correct. That's correct. Interesting. Okay. Um, she would get all of her money with the exception. It would be the lawyers back to the oh, yeah. staying in Ireland. The lawyers handle the closing and that money would be held in escrow. Right. Yeah. But that once, once forgiven, it goes to her. Correct. That's okay. correct. It's proceeds right. of the sale. Interesting. If someone's thinking about buying, selling their business before May 1 of this year, should they go ahead and apply for PPP and do all that? I would, if they need it, they should. Okay. All right. It, it will complicate the sale, and that's where intermediaries can help and work with their seller team, their accountants, and their advisors. Could it? Go ahead. So, back, to, we talked about valuation. Mm-hmm. We don't consider. PPP loans as ordinary income, that's other income. Yeah. That's, you don't make money getting PPP loans. So when we are doing these 
calculations to say what would a future owner make from this business, we're going to take that right out. Yeah. Would it stop a sale or just slow it down if PPP money's involved? And there were a couple months where it stopped sales. And the business, back to the business brokerage community being the redheaded stepchild, nobody was talking about this, but there wasn't the the guidance is what they call it. Nobody really knew. The SBA wasn't telling attorneys and banks how to handle transfers. And the business brokerage community is like, hey, guys, we're trying to do deals here. They're Mm -hmm. like, We'll, we'll write those languages later. But now they, they were clear. The SBA was clear about how to handle these. And now deals are flowing in it's just with that hold back. You mean let's vote on it before we read it type yeah. stuff? But again, I digress. So if somebody was thinking about buying a business, mm-hmm. would they want to contact you first and you have like a book of businesses that you're selling and they can look at that? Or how would they go about finding a business to buy? Absolutely. They could call me and I could tell them what businesses I have. There are listing sites similar to Zillow where people can go search for Mm -hmm. businesses, but it's kind of, you have to beat the streets and see what's out there. Ask lots of brokers what they have for sale. They may have pocket listings. They may have deals that they have not put on, on the marketplaces. The interest here is back to real estate versus business brokers. There's no, there's very little buyer representation in the business world. In Main Street business brokerage. Okay. When you get into really big deals like M&A, there's more buyer representation. But most buyers are going to have to do their own due diligence, lean on their accounting and and lawyer advisors to help them with that stuff. But there's, it's harder to buy a business than it is to sell, in my opinion. How often, when you're, sell, you're selling Trinity's business to me, how often is the are the me types showing up with a broker as a buyer? Very few, very seldom. Interesting. I, I don't represent buyers for the most part. I've done some buyer representation. It's not really my main thing. I don't know who to refer people to. I do a lot of help for my friends. Oh, you want to buy a business? Let mm. me tell you what the selling, the listing agent's going to. So <laughs> right. I will do that as yeah. a service just because I know the process, but there's very little buyer representation. Interesting. That helps you. Helps your, helps your client to a point. So, well, it helps and it hurts. It helps in that there's, there's less co-brokering than mm-hmm. which if there was co-brokering more of it, I'd be in favor of it, but I am doing more work. I'm doing both sides of the deal with a fiduciary responsibility to one side. Right. So what that sounds like is, okay, Mr. Buyer, this is our process. Would you like an introduction to an attorney for a purchase agreement? Would you like an introduction to a Mm -hmm. banker? No, I can't tell you what the seller's lowest price is. So I can kind of shine a light, but I have to tell them, you know, don't trust me. I work for the other side. Do you deal with multiple offers like they do in the residential world? I do, and I'm very, very careful with multiple offers. And sellers get excited, but I get nervous when we get multiple offers because I, I won't share terms of a deal. Mm-hmm. I, I follow most of the similar practices that, that good real estate agents do in a yeah. multiple offer situation. Hmm. I can, I go, I'm going to go back to her question. If somebody wanted to buy a business, just call you and say, what do you got? She wants a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Where Sorry, did, I just sold. Just sold. <laughs> you did, I know, and I, I like that. So. And they, they were that that group of people that worked there were always very nice. The customer yeah. service was outstanding there. Yeah, but she's got. 
she's always got to have something going on. So yeah. there's another, there's a brick and mortar in her future. Yeah. I just don't know when yet. But there is. Oh, man. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't know about that. I saw a post in the Triangle Business Owners Group, and somebody was asking about um, bringing in advisors. Or, I'm sorry, investors on a restaurant deal. And I think they said they already have one partner, and they were looking for more partners and how to get – they couldn't get a loan or something. And I was, mm. I was not really – I was saying, well, do you really want to bring in a third partner? Because the average business, the average retail business, maybe makes $100,000. Mm-hmm. If you start cutting that pie up in too many ways, it's going to be it's gonna be hard. I'm more in favor of, of creative borrowing mm-hmm. than bringing in lots of partners. Yeah. Yeah. that We had looked at a business a um, couple last year-ish, and when we, fi- when we finally got all the numbers, we realized that it was a really bad deal. Yeah. <laughs> was it a good business to have? Just that particular one was bad. No, you and I did. Oh we yes, did, yeah, yeah. Yep. And we oh, were like, yes. And we were like, Ooh. holy, yeah. <laughs> the market, so, yeah. So not everything yeah. is as it appears. So yes, we were quite surprised on that. We were quite surprised. Yeah. Um, random question. Okay. What is the most exotic fish you've ever sold? Probably the Moorish idol, Zanclus cornutus. Is the that was his major in college. We've been through this at Clemson, yeah. So, uh, wait, your major was fish? No, uh, biology, biology? Yeah. Okay. Latin biology, <laughs> showing off biology. Yeah. The here's why I like the Moorish idol. It is a um, an extant species. So, like all of its all of its sisters and brothers have went extinct. Oh. But this one species is pretty common. Um, it's just unlike any other fish. It's not related to anything. It was your most exotic fish also the most expensive fish? Not necessarily. No. But with marine aquatics, it's really not the fish. The fish become the background because the invertebrates, the corals, the, the you know, I sold a clam for $500. <laughs> wow. It's, it's the things that don't have backbones. I hope it the, was that the, big. Yeah, they were yeah. big. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What would they do with it? Just put it in their tank or lake or ocean yeah. or whatever they own? Put it in a bag. You move it. You acclimate it to the new tank. And then you, you got to make sure it's fed phytoplankton and clean water. Do they eat a lot? They're constantly filtering the water yeah. for phytoplankton. I had a really rudimentary fish tank in col- after college because one of my friends had um, a series of saltwater tanks and in Michigan, when the power goes out and you're on vacation, it's a bad time not to have a backup generator because all of their yeah. fish died. They came home from vacation. The power There had been an ice storm. The power went out. But I got a really cheap fish tank out of the deal. <laughs> yeah. And I proceeded to put a lot of super cheap fish in there. Yeah. And I didn't have cable, so that was my... That was my biggest fear when I had my tropical fish store was the power going out. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. And I, I ran my tropical fish store from... 03 to 08 and I remember during that five years people came to me and said we lost everything during Fran which was mm-hmm. I don't know when that was but it's been you know eight ten years we're finally ready to try again they were yeah. so traumatized from yeah. losing it all well I mean Ooh. you think about the expense like you said every like oh. it's ex- so expensive once yeah. you get all of your it's like taking your all of your landscaping for your yard and, and just putting it in a little cube and right. it inside your house yeah 
find it so interesting that you did that. I would have never known that you were that guy. That Do you want to ask him how, how and when he swam with the sharks? Oh, you swam with sharks? Yeah, bef- so before I w- sold Nemo and Dory, I, my first job after college was at Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies. And I was the shark diver that went in and cleaned the tunnel. They have the people mover mm-hmm. that, that pushes people through the tunnel, and then people clean the tunnel. And so that was my job. After All the college. shark poop. Yeah. Shark poop. Get yeah. up there so they could see. We it. called it detritus. But detritus. It was <laughs> see, I told you, showing off words. I would yeah. call it that too. I'm like, yeah. oh, really? Not knowing it was shark poop. Like, Who is the shark shit sweeper? I'll, I'll, I'll buy that word, yeah. But I told him what a great pickup line. In a bar with girls, they say, so what do you do? It's like, eh, swim with, with sharks. sharks. Yeah. yeah. They don't, they know not to bother me. I call that my <laughs> most fun, lowest paying job ever. You <laughs> That's great. Uh, you are a, what, a year and two months into being a new dad? Avery's just turned one, right? 16 months. Are we really that oh, yeah. far in? Wow. We're growing teeth. Yeah. We're I saw the walk-in picture the other day with his bunny hat on and ears. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Changes everything, doesn't it? It's a game changer. Yeah. So two things. One is you introduce a baby to a house, and then that baby sprouts legs, and then you got to move everything up. (laughs) We're definitely moving stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Baby proofing. So fun. (laughs) Oh, God. So one last question for you. If somebody is thinking about starting a business Mm -hmm. because they want to eventually sell it, what are some industries or types of businesses that have better potential resale yeah recurring revenue Bravo. recurring revenue is people love recurring revenue yep. Healthcare and it are kind of the hot sectors right now but you know it, it can be any type of business as long as there's a, a process mm-hmm. and it is not owner dependent okay that's the key yeah not owner dependent. Build a something. key, yep. yeah, yeah. Four hour work week is a great example of a book that kind of you know yeah. you built a box that spits money out the bottom. Could you sell Team Trinity today? No. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. It's not a resaleable business. Right. And you know what? Resellable. Most most. <laughs> I, I would. Yeah. It, it. You don't have to build a business to be resellable. You can make a make a business and make money along the way, and that's a that's a good way to make money too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. What's the best way for people to find you if they have questions and or a business? RaleighBusinessBroker.com is, is a good website. VR Biz Triangle is where I keep most of my social handles. I put a lot out on, on YouTube. You do. I'm doing webinars almost every week right now. All those are on RaleighBusinessBroker.com webinars. I'm really excited about the content that I'm putting out. It's all about education. Uh, and then I'm on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. When did Excellent. you stop networking with Neil? It was actually before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an impressive list, by the way. Yeah, I, I did networking network oh, yeah. with Neil for a couple of years, and it was really good. But um, it kind of ran its course, and Facebook was giving me trouble. Facebook was calling network with Neil spam, mm. and I would spend a lot of time on those posts. And then at the very end, when I was going to hit send. Zuckerberg was like, no, no. just delete <laughs> yeah. it. So that was annoying. You could run for president, couldn't you? 
We've known we've known a lot of people recently that have had a lot of issues with their yes. entire businesses being deleted yeah. off Facebook. Yep. And if that is one of your primary ways you're gaining clients or doing things, it's kind of terrifying. Kind of a reason to have a mailing list, isn't it? But Absolutely. that's another podcast, yeah. Well, um, for our listeners, we hope that if you have a business that's ready to go or you're thinking about getting it ready to go, make sure you reach out to Neil. He's awesome. Um, if you're wondering, man, how do I get those systems and processes in place? Because I'd really love to scale and be able to sell my business. I know two business coaches that would be more than happy to help you. And you can find us info at wiredtochange.com. And that's with the number two. You two are all kind of looking for the same client, the one about to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when you want them. Yeah. Yeah. Couple, three, six months beforehand. You you may need them longer than Trinity, right? I Clean like, up the books. I like two years. Oh, geez. Well, I, I'll, I'll walk with someone for two years because in my experience, it takes them one year to go from maybe I want to do this to get me the heck out of here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it takes sometimes it takes a year to sell so two years okay but if they're not ready i want trinity to to get them ready yeah yeah and i mean with my buyers and sellers i want them as soon as they start thinking about it because like with anything i can get them prepared and help them just not make mistakes along the way that's going to delay the process don't put in Once those stupid light fixtures because yeah. nobody else likes them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't care if they're worth $18,000. So, anyways, Neil, thank you very much. Uh, very educational for our folks. It, kind of a minefield if you don't know what you're doing as a business owner. Because, again, if you talk to most business owners, owners to ask them what they thought about their business, they'd be way off. I agree. They'd be way off. So. I agree. And, and speaking of business owners, I mentioned triangle business owners, but I think you guys are in that Facebook group back to Facebook. Yep. That's a great group. Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm an administrator in that group, but it's entrepreneurs helping each other. And I see so many great things where somebody says, I'm thinking about doing this and then other people are are trying to help them yep. out. So yep. like, triangle business owners on Facebook. Like don't find an investor for the business you're about to <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Anyways, thank you very much. Go to a uh, uh, VR where did I write that down? Oh, what's the website again? Oh, RaleighBusinessBroker.com. Yeah, thank you. I wrote down, can read my own stuff. So anyways, we've enjoyed it very much. Go to wiredtochange.com. Check out our events tab. We have some amazing masterminds coming up. Um, We are in the throes of three of them right now, but we are repeating those next three with a whole new group of peeps starting in February. So if you have been thinking about jumping on a mastermind group, now is the time to sign up. And we thank you for joining us. My name is Mike Manning. And I'm Trinity French. And we'll see you next time on our Wired to Change podcast.